The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 475. Going to talk some pitchers at the quarter point of the season, some to maybe buy or sell on. And uh, in order to do so, I have a special guest joining me, a uh, friend of the show. You can find his work at PitcherList.com. You might be finding him on Twitter as well, at PitcherList, the one, the only, Nick Pollock. How are we doing, my friend? What is happening? Oh, it's so good to be back, man. And uh, I will say, I know I was here for the 300th episode, which was incredibly touching. I'm happy to be at another round number of 475, yep. save for my random guest appearances uh, every so often yep. when when Toby has some technical difficulties. I'm here for you. <laughs> I appreciate Whenever you. possible. And it's always a, a joy joining you, man. So thanks for the invite. No, I appreciate it. It's always fun chatting with you. Um, and it's always fun when you drop in on the, the Toby show. So that's always, always entertaining <laughs> for sure. But uh, before we get going, uh, talking about a handful of starting pitchers today, let everybody know what you got going on at Pitcher List. It's always something new whenever I talk oh, to man. you. So, so let them know. Yeah, we just launched the Nick and Alex baseball show. Uh, and which I, I, I gotta say, it is the most fun thing I do now. I've like, when I started podcasting, I uh, I dreamed of doing this show and it's not like, oh, let's just go over the news. Here's another 
talking head about the news stuff. No, this is a live streamed proper show Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern time for an hour. And it's like four to five minute segments. Uh, that's the entire show. So we have like, uh, he does base hits. I have my scouts on her. I do a, a pitcher or sorry, a hitter of the week. I do like uh, um, wild thoughts. I mean, this is just us goofballs talking about the game. But like, you know, we know things about the game too. Okay. It is the best time. Go tune into it. You should be there. Perfect. Everybody go check it out. It's always fun when you get those two guys on the mic. And uh, he, he's referring to Emmy Enjoy. Award winning Alex. He is! As well. Right? Unbelievable. He won his Emmy! Of course yeah. he did. I mean, that's the thing about Fast. It's like, like I'm, oh, hey, finally, FSWA where he goes, oh, yeah, well, I just won a sports Emmy. I'm like, all right, Fast. Okay, yeah. great. Just cool, keep, cool. keep on keeping on. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice we knew you at one time, Alex. It's yeah, really right. nice we knew you. Yeah, he's moved to LA now and he's going to Hollywood on us. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Don't even, and we think we knew him at one time. But all right, let's let's talk pitchers. We're a quarter of the way into the season. Before we actually get into the, the actual names we're going to discuss, this is what you do pretty much for a living is, is look into pitchers and d- deep dive into pitchers. Um, what's your thoughts on the first quarter? Like, you know, we talk about potential ball differences. We talk about just the, the change in, from month to month in productivity. How are you seeing the pitching landscape right now? Honestly, I feel the most comfortable understanding it than I have in a long time. And I feel like there's just been a lot of things that have kind of gone like, oh, yeah, that's that's how it's supposed to be. You know, a lot of the guys that were like Toby's and, and Vargas rules are kind of Toby's and Vargas rules. A lot of the guys we were really excited about. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. Um, there are some that are underperforming, but we get that every year. You know, we don't know which ones are necessarily going to pan out. There's always at least one that just doesn't. Uh, we might have two this year. But I uh, but otherwise, I mean it's all kind of normal uh and the dead ball i adore because it just makes me look great and i'm i'm a huge fan of that obviously i i believe at some point it's gonna correct itself when we start seeing it maybe even like a week ago or something yeah um but nevertheless i i i'm digging what we've got so far there are a lot of fun names a lot of fun surprises too yeah it's been a good uh it's been a good quarter of the year good good to hear good to hear let's start with some fun names here we'll start start with uh Tariq Skubal the lefty for Detroit he's uh coming off three straight uh performances where he has not allowed an earned run or a run period against Cleveland Baltimore and Oakland that does help of course but he's been overall pretty good uh for most of the season the strikeouts are up uh the walks are always the issue with Tariq Skubal and for the most part he's starting to minimize them a bit but there's still a few issues there so what's your outlook on Tariq going forward are we buying what we've seen of late or is there still some concerns for you Oh man, Tarek Skubal's sub five percent walk rate is glorious. I uh, the, the thing about Tarek has always been the fastball is good despite the results of it. That you know, uh, you see like these negative p valves, everything like that. We knew it was a good pitch. It was just there was nothing else that forced him to use it in situations they didn't want to, which then allowed guys to just sit dead, dead red on it. But if you're not actually like, sitting there going, "No, I'm going to feast on this fastball every time." Uh, and Tarek is only throwing his four-seamer 30% of the time now and has a 14% swing strike rate on it, 40% O-swing instead of a 20% last year on that. Uh, we're seeing that pitch come out because the slider and the changeup have been these solid offerings for him. A 72% strike rate on his slider is really good. Uh, it means that he doesn't have to rely on his fastball inside the zone as much, and only a 200 batting average allowed on that one, while his changeup is a 21% uh, swing strike rate pitch. It's all coming together nicely, and he's in a situation in Detroit where, yeah, they're going to let him go constantly. That was always the thing for me in the offseason was I don't know if that slider and change are going to be that dependable, but what I will know is that he'll get the ample opportunity to do it. 
And we saw last season Tarek showcase those signs of development of moments with that slider and or changeup coming together in games. But then it would fall off a little bit. And honestly, I think him getting shut down in September last year was detrimental in some ways because, well, maybe it was good because you didn't see actually another full month of the success that so maybe you can get him a discount or so. But he was really ro- rolling then and then got limited. And this year, yeah, he's he's doing this stuff. It looks great. I, I obviously think the 222 ERA is going to come down at some point. But uh, I mean, if you want to point at the FIP of being a 199, it's not it's not about coming down to the FIP. Yep. It's coming down to the consistency of him as a human. And it's really hard to be this consistent just every single day. We all know that. So it's going to come down. But I don't think that we're going to be seeing some massive, massive drop off from Tarek. I think he's pretty dang good moving forward. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Because, yeah, there's always the concerns last year. We did show some nice improvements, like you said, but kind of in like three inning stints and stuff like that. So it's yeah. tough to really gauge on where he'd be. But we're starting to see a, a pretty legit guy. So that that's fun to see uh, going forward. Let's stick with the lefties here. Go to the Bay Area, my team, the, the Giants, with Carlos Rodon, who the season started out and it was just the most filthy stuff you've ever seen. And he's had a couple hiccups of late, but still been pretty darn good. I'm not going to like say he's been bad. But um, you know, St. Louis hit him around good, which was a surprise. But overall, two runs or less in every other start, and he's getting the strikeouts. Are we believing in Carlos Rodon going yeah. forward? Because like, I guess I'm just a pessimistic Giants fan going, I'm waiting for the other shoe to just drop on me. Well, the, the shoe is the shoulder. Yeah, uh, We're waiting for his shoulder to not, you know, we, we just want it to be okay through the entire season for Rodon. That's the only question. Look, he had that start against the, the Cardinals of Aiden runs, but his yeah. stuff was there. He was still throwing 97. <laughs> like, it wasn't as if he wasn't having the velocity. As long as he has the velocity, Rodon will be great. The slider has also been just incredibly filthy as well with the 21% swing strike rate. And even against the Padres, the Padres are really good against lefties. They're really bad against righties, mm-hmm. but they're excellent against lefties. So he walked four guys in that one. Fine. But it was six innings of two and run still. Rodon is amazing. I, I, I think he's like one of a, I think it might be even a top five pitcher when healthy. It's just the only reason I have him outside of that top five is because I don't know how long it's going to last. He has a heightened, injury risk relative to others which isn't necessarily fair considering being a pitcher makes you have a higher injury risk but guys like gaussman and and cole and burns for example don't have that same uh tag on them and yeah rodon i'm excited don't don't think about those cardinals and padre starts he's amazing it's good to hear good to hear yeah i'm just i guess i'm just nervous about the shoulder like you said i'm just waiting for it to yeah to go, and that was my concern all along. But he's been pretty you know, darn get, good. Have positivity, man. Don't let those worries bring you down, Bubba. Okay, well, not bringing me out. I'm more bummed that I have him rostered zero places because I was worried about that. Uh, and I'm watching this everywhere else, so that's no fun either. Yeah, I have him a couple places. Yeah, no, lucky you, uh, <laughs> Martin Perez. This is one of those. Now we're talking about the other shoe dropping. It's like, when is it going to happen? He's been outstanding, one earned run or less in his last six starts, including a complete game shutout. Which obviously, if you say shutout, it's a complete game against the Houston Astros. And the strikeouts have been there of late too. Like this is freakish right now, Nick. Like, what are we? What are we doing with Martin Perez? So you might be familiar with a term I have called the Vargas rule, which is where a uh, mediocre pitcher does well. And if you have him on your teams, you're not going to drop him because you can see that he's just doing well. And you can't, as a fantasy manager, you know, pull that away from your drop him. You feel like it's too big brain of a move. And how it is otherwise defined is you have a guy without amazing stuff. 
but they're commanding super well. They're able to put their changeup down and away in the exact spot every single time. And that's what uh, Ranger Suarez did last year. He was avoiding the heart of the plate really well. He was moving around the edges and perfectly. And that allowed him to get that one five-year ray we saw in those 10 starts or 12 starts rather for Suarez. And Martin Perez is, is doing the same stuff right now. Uh, we have his last five starts of one, or actually six of one or a few hundred runs. I mean, it's a total of 300 runs in those six starts. It's insane going against Houston twice in it and Boston. And it's at a point where you just roll with it until it falters. Because once he doesn't have that command again, once the rhythm is broken, it's hard to jump back in. It's hard to get back in that jumper up and really get the whole dance flowing. So, uh, yeah, that, that's all you do. Start him against Oakland. I mean, opponent indifferent right just keep going until he hits the wall and then all right move on <laughs> it's not yeah, simple. No, i'm with you it's one of those that just be ready for it's all i'm saying it's, it's yeah. gonna come with martin perez but yeah enjoy the ride while you can that's always a a fun part as well uh pablo lopez another guy that coming into the season there's some serious injury concerns like it sounded pretty pretty gnarly for pablo but so far so good he's started off the season outstanding a couple hiccups in his last two starts giving up seven runs over his last two outings but um, still pretty, pretty solid stuff from Pablo Lopez. Are we believing in him going forward? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Move on now. Um, now Pablo Lopez, uh, he, he had what we call a King Cole, which is the highest CSW amount of any pitcher um, in a given day. And at 39% against the Rays last night, that is on Tuesday night. Um, he's really good. He had an inside the park home run that was a line drive to center that I think Jesus Sanchez should have caught. And he dove and it went like it didn't like go under the glove. It went above the glove. It was a weird play. Should not have happened. Um, and Pablo Lopez had eight strikeouts in that game with a filthy changeup. Because, of course, he did. His changeup is filthy all the time. It, 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 I will say there is this idea of a lower floor relative to those around him because he is mostly two pitch. If he doesn't have that changeup working, the four seamer is a well commanded offering, but it isn't so good that it can carry the entire start. The cutter is starting to see a little bit more two-strike action. So Pablo Lopez is turning to that a little bit more to get that possible later with, like a, you would in a slider uh, or with a dominant slider. But it's not really that great of a pitch. So if he doesn't have his changeup on a given night, there is a possibility of those 300-run, 400-run games. But the fact then is that back in the day, that'd be like 700 runs and 800 runs. In the times when he, quote-unquote, hasn't had it, which is really just that national start. That was on the 18th of May. It was only 300 runs and three innings. And you should be happy about that. So feel good about Pablo Lopez. Nice, nice. Yeah, he's another guy that I let the injury whispering scare me off this season. And um, so far... uh, it's well, it's not out of the gate. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not out of the woods, right? Like, yeah. it's only it, six weeks. It sounded bad with him. It sounded bad with him from early. But early it, it was always later in the year. Yeah, true. Very right. True. So, so, I mean, we're talking about with Rodon and, and Lopez. We're feeling good now, but yeah, who knows? Would you try to sell them right now? Depends on what I'm getting. I mean, the conversation always buy sell it to me is all right. Let's say I'm assuming everyone here is 12 team standard league, right? Yeah, that's that's the, most part, the majority, yeah. right? So in that case, what you do, hi, I have Pablo Lopez. All right. I go to other teams. I just open up all 11 other teams who's struggling the most in pitching. Then I go to their team and say, oh, yeah, right. They need a starter. Great. What do they have on their team that fills in a hole for me? Mostly on the offensive side. 
if they don't have someone that is the, the right tier player, like I'm not going to ask for Jose Ramirez if I need someone at third base, for example, yeah. but I'm not going to try and get Matt Chapman either, right? Uh, you could probably tell me a good third baseman then that's probably like a th- equivalent third of you know, somewhere between three to sixth round or yeah, so. Can- you could probably go get like an Austin Riley or something like that. Right okay, now. great. Then if that's a good fit for you because you need offense, then awesome. I always will suggest doing a pitcher for a hitter. It's way harder to translate than it is a pitcher for a pitcher. It's just you're, you're rarely going to get that just from the psychology of this guy thinks my pitcher is better. So I'm clearly not going to do that deal. That's a good point. You know, so Very always try to muddy the waters going pitcher to hitter. Uh, and if you actually feel like that, so just say, Oh no, I look, I have a lot of pitching and I need hitting and must have saying like, aha, I think that Pablo Lopez is going to go do, do bad things. Would I suggest doing that? Mm, You know, (laughs) I, I I think you just kind of keep rolling with it and and cross your fingers. But if you really feel that that shoulder injury will pop up, then yeah, he's a good sell. eye because I think a lot of people really, really adore Pablo Lopez. Maybe wait for one more truly dominant one. So guys aren't scared off by the seven and runs across his last two starts. Yeah, that's just why I want to have the discussion because if we do think that there's still something lingering and could not, he could pitch the whole season for all we know. Right. But, uh, try to try to get something while you can type scenario. Yep. Uh, um, New York Yankees, Nestor Cortez. Like the story was fun last year and there's kind of some skepticism in the preseason of, oh, what do you have enough, uh, you know, time to like innings and all that kind of stuff? Well, he's locked into this rotation because he's been filthy, like filthy, nasty Nestor, as they say. Uh, the strikeouts are outstanding. Three year and runs are less than every single start this season. I know it can't be this good all season, Nick, but what are we thinking with Nestor Cortez? Because this is awesome. Well, it can't be this good all season. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just wanted to repeat what you said. Um, yeah. He only had two whiffs on 46 four-seamers thrown in his last start. And that, to me, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit telling. Because when you want to have the conversation about Nestor Cortez, I think a lot of people want to say, well, there's that fantastic tweet from Andrew McCutcheon that talks about how well his fastball plays up and everything. But if that's truly the case, then I would imagine he'd do better than two over 46 whiffs on his four seamer. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of where I think of like, hmm, over time here, Nestor Cortez is not going to be this man. Is he going to be the, the starter in the rotation for the Yankees all season? I think so. I, but He's not going to have the same stellar command that he had against the Rangers and the Orioles often through the year. I mean, he had two starts back to back where he combined for six strikeouts against the the Royals and then the Blue Jays. It's going to be a little bit of this where he's going to have these nights where it's just, oh man, here's the cutter coming inside of righties and then back door and then avoiding the heart of the plate and it's going to be great. But he's going to have some troubles and hopefully he doesn't have a major stretch of those that make us all wonder if this has disappeared forever or not. So I'm not totally sold in on Nestor Cortez, but I mean, you can sell him. If someone thinks like he's a top 25 guy now, like, yeah, I would, I would go cash in on that. Um, But you know, he's not going to hurt you through the year. So. Yeah. See, I think people, there are some big, big fans of his right now. So I think you could probably find someone in your league to, uh, to, to trade with if you need to. So that could be a fun one for sure. Yeah. Miles Mikolas. I thank Tobin yeah. for this every time because I've always been anti-Miles because he doesn't strike anybody up. He just doesn't pitches to contact. Pretty pretty standard yeah. stuff. He's striking guys out this year, Nick. Like he's actually Is getting he the job done. Well, five or more for him per game. It, yeah. It's only six point. Yeah, it's weird though. Now that you mention it, because I'm looking at his page. It's a nineteen percent. Yeah, nineteen yeah. percent is not great, but for I guess him, 
that's good. <laughs> so yeah, right. What are, right. What are we thinking? Like, what are we thinking with Mikolas going forward? Because every time I'm waiting for him to kind of have some some rough goes of it, he still kind of is producing right now. Yeah, so he has uh, 41 strikeouts this year, which is about five per start or so. Mm-hmm. And that's a product of volume. If you go as long as he does, he's at 55 innings and innings per game over six right now. Michaelis is just going to get strikeouts if it's five per game. Like you want five per game to me is like the minimum. Like, okay, that's fine. And he's been averaging that two starts of seven. He's at one of one and two of three. Like whatever. It's, it's about five per game. Uh, Miles Michaelis is the perfect example of why I made the mistake of undervaluing the St. Louis Cardinals defense last year. And his, if you want to pitch the contact, the place, best place to do it is in St. Louis. It is such a good defense and he's getting a 40% O swing on his slider, which is excellent. That means that when he does, you know, when they, they swing at it, it's off, off into contact and then it gets into play and then it's an out 34% on his uh, sinker as far as O swing. And it wants to be above 30%. And that's what he's doing called strike on his, on his curveball, and 32% O swing on his four seamer. Like it's all good. Lots of called strikes in the curveball. I just breeze past that, but that's what you want to see on a curveball. It's just like, Hey, get me over. And this is fine. Miles Michaels is solid. Is he going to be this? I don't know. What is what is a stupid year, right? 196? Yes, yeah, stupid. Uh, 0.98 whip? No. He's going to have a low walk rate. Great. And that's going to help the whip, but it's not this. We all kind of know it's not this. Yeah. So sell him if that's what people think. I don't, I don't think I like many to, do. <laughs> yeah. I like to imagine the intelligence of, of fantasy managers in this way. And I also want to mention... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to be so stupid right now. Like, I think it's easy for us in this moment to recognize nine starts in a sub two ERA isn't going to stick. Yeah. Imagine if the season ended today, right? How would we be drafting Miles Michaelis tomorrow? Oh, goodness you gracious. know, it's terrifying, terrifying. Right? Thought. Yeah. And this happens every year. I'm not going to say what players it was entering this yeah. year, but I it happened. It happened a lot after 2020. And it's why I try as much as I can. I mean, I, why I feel lucky to write the SP roundup so I can cap, like literally write down my thoughts as these happen. So to try and keep track of it. But it's important for us to really, I don't know, internalize the beginning of the season like this and really reflect on it as much as we can as we get deeper into it. Because we we know that Miles Michaels is with us. We know. Yeah. It. That's the same thing we do with hitters too. It's like certain guys, you know, they starting out slow or whatever. Look at Trevor Story, he's like eight home runs in two weeks, and you know, think guys, Ooh. guys will get guys will get theirs. Yeah, exactly. I know. I didn't want to. I didn't mean to, <laughs> to throw you off your curve there, but uh, yeah. Hey, I do scouts honor now. All right, I, I know, call Phil Day and 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 Dr- Brandon Drury. Okay, there we go. I That's know things. Yeah, do you know what position Brandon Drury plays by chance, Nick? Uh, multiple. There, so. Look, look at this, folks. Look, look at, at this. Look at this trick question. Look at this look coming at this. over here. Oh, yeah, which one do you want? Third base? I got you. <laughs> go trade Brandon for Brandon Drury. There you go. Yeah. Um, let's talk cookies. Carlos Carrasco. Hmm. Um, we all, I think, all of us that are baseball fans root for Carlos Carrasco. We want yes. Carlos Carrasco to be good. Like when he gets hurt or something, it's just a bummer. This season, all but two starts have been really, really good for Carlos yep. Carrasco longevity is always a concern for me not striking a ton of guys out but more than miles Mikolas, i guess so um what's your thoughts on carrasco because it seems like they're letting him go if he's on but at the same time i don't know it's it's kind of funny i i i post my list every week uh to reddit right um i've been doing that since 2015 like every monday here's the list they comment on it 
And uh, there's always somebody every week that they just, they rip into me for. And it has been over the past month, a lot of why do you hate Carlos Carrasco? And why do we hate Merrill Kelly, the next guy that you mentioned here? And it's simple. I don't really think that those guys can be like an SP3 or so. I don't think that they just have enough juice in their arsenal to do it. Maybe Carlos Carrasco could, if I see consistently sliders and change-ups getting whiffs in a start, that he can interchangeably do it regardless of handedness. I don't see that much at all. And what we've seen most of the time is either one pitch takes over and the other doesn't. And what happened was, you know, at the end of April, Carrasco had the start against the Cardinals, once again, destroying a, p- a pitcher, eight earned runs in 3.2 innings. And then I saw that it was going to be Atlanta next and likely the Phillies. And I dropped him a bit because I was saying, look, like here's the wall. And now he has two starts I don't want to make. And now I've learned that the that Atlanta is really bad against righties. But he went and did great things. And I, I still haven't seen Carlos Garcia have both. In that Atlanta start, it was just sliders all day. He just threw sliders and this changeup wasn't that good. And I'm still ultra cautious of Carlos Carrasco because he just doesn't, he hasn't quite been locked in yet. And that Seattle started four and runs in 4.1 innings. He didn't have either one. And that's what happens. So I think if you have Carlos Carrasco, you can essentially treat him like a Toby at this point. I don't really think you're going to see a 25, 26% strikeout rate Carlos Carrasco because of the inconsistencies of the secondary pitches. But I don't think you're going to really see like a four, four ERA or a one, two, five, one thirty whip guy from him. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be hovering that four year right through the year and more of a matchup based guy that I would want to admit, even though he just survived cores. So I hope he does well, as you mentioned, but I don't really see that big impact play here. Yeah. That's kind of been my concern with Carrasco. Like I said, uh, you're rooting for him. Everyone's rooting for Carrasco, but uh, I haven't been able to make a move for him because it's just never been like that warm and fuzzy feeling where you're super confident in throwing him out there time and time again. So uh, it's good to hear your thoughts on that as well. Uh, you mentioned Merrill Kelly started out the year great, but uh, similar to what you're you're going to say, I was sitting there waiting for like, he can't be this good. This isn't Merrill Kelly. And we've seen it. So what's your thoughts on Merrill Kelly? Two things. Merrill Kelly really excited us in the beginning. Why? Because he was throwing 93-94 and he was throwing a, a changeup that was filthy. And the changeup is gone. And the fastball velocity is now 92. <laughs> so... Yeah, and last three starts, it's been 14 earned runs. Uh, this is matchup dependent to me. He's a Toby. He's fine, but he's that's kind of who he is now. I don't think the changeup is as good as it was. I mean, maybe he does come back, and that's great. And if he's throwing 93 plus, that's great, but it's not what we want right now. Would you rather have Kelly or Miklos? I'd rather I roll with the Miklos, uh, okay. the defense behind him, way better. Cool. Uh, Zach Eflin, uh, everybody kind of wants Zach Eflin to be good. He, he likes to let us down often, but his couple, last couple starts, especially the last one against the Dodgers, very, very impressive. Uh, are we buying in on me, uh, uh, Eflin going forward? Do you know the major question about Zach Eflin? The major mm-hmm. thing that we've talked about over the years that we wanted him to do? What do you, what do you, when you think of Zach Eflin, what do you think of? I know I'm putting you on your spot, you on the spot. I'm sorry, but 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 we all I'm want guess- to hear more of you here. It's not uh, just I'm I'm guessing it's uh, all about uh, location and a certain pitch mix is where you're going to go with this one. Okay, well, I mean that's uh, all right. Yeah. Is there a certain <laughs> pitch? Is there a certain pitch that you're thinking of with Eflin? Uh, curveball. I don't know. Yeah, don't know. you got it. You got I it. Thought, yeah, we've been chasing Zach Eflin throwing like 25 to 30 percent curveballs for so long, and it would be a pitch that he would throw in the bullpen 
And he, he literally said like, oh, if I have my curveball, great. I'm going to throw it. If I don't in that pen, I don't. And it's just so volatile. And it drove us crazy. But then all of a sudden, this, the, the, this magic dust settled <laughs> in Philadelphia in that bullpen against the Dodgers. And out of the pen, he comes. It's kind of like the angels are there, the angels in the outfield. And he threw 35 <laughs> curveballs, 33% usage against the Dodgers. Zach Eflin had 12 whiffs on this hook. Beautiful. Insane. Like, Beautiful. where has this been? You know, if you want to talk about pitch mix through the year, that curveball usage uh, had only once been above 16% prior. That's insane. And that was in cores. And we're all going, what? We're off speed pitches was, go to that die. That was cores. Nice. And it went seven for 22 curveball whiffs in that one. But this was 12 over 33. I don't know if this is going to stick. This is just what he does. He, he throws a lot of them. And all of a sudden, he just doesn't the next start. And it's incredibly frustrating. So take your pick. I mean, like he could just keep it going now forever. And that would be the best thing. But it seems like it isn't. If I were a betting man, it'd probably go away next start. But monitor that. that that's how he did it. And okay. hopefully he can do it more. So curveball, curveball, curveball. So we need someone in the bullpen prior to the game to let us know if he's feeling it. Yeah, we right. Roll with Zach Eflin. We're good. Oh, man. Yeah, it's 7.04. Yes, let, let us, us know. know. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Nick Pavetta, first three starts of the year, not good. Like, I even dropped him in places. I've re-picked him up since then, but I have dropped him in places. He's been very, very good since then. Striking guys out, getting you usually, usually six-plus innings for start, a quality start out there. So are we back in on Pavetta for the rest of the way? Because he's let us down in seasons past. How dare you bring up Nick Pavetta's name in front of me? <laughs> how how dare you? Uh, oh. No, I know. Yeah, awe is the right right thing. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not really. Uh, that that start against Houston, I was good for seamers up, and he was able to do enough with his changeup and curveball down. Oddly enough, the changeup did well inside the zone. I uh, I just don't think there is quite enough um, that Pavetta does. I think he had a good night against Houston. I know the other nights were also uh, one and run and zero and runs against Texas and the White Sox. That's fine. But it just doesn't seem like he is truly fixed. You know, when I envisioned Pavetta dominating, it was four seamers up, but not 93. I like 95, 96. And with a really nice curveball consistently down, same with the slider. He still doesn't have consistency with those pitches. Uh, I think this is a little bit of a trap, actually, if you do buy into Pavetta right now moving forward. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Everyone's favorite Pavetta. Nick is saying, no, don't do it. I love it. Yeah, I, love I it. fell for this years ago, guys. Don't we, do it. We all have. We've, we've been on this roller coaster ride many times with Nick Pavetta. Like, that's why I always think Pavetta and F1, they, they remind me of each other. Like, okay. Oh, interesting. We've seen this oh, great stuff, and you guys, and then you guys let us down, and maybe I always thought they were Philly or something. But we were know. be looking forward to them, but they were total opposites. We're like Eflin would be just—he's more of a Toby to me, while Pavetta is the absolute cherry bomb. You know, yeah. look at my terms: That's cherry bomb, super you. sweet, or blows up in your face. I love it. That's Pavetta for you. In a nutshell, um, Alex Cobb, everyone's oh, yeah, no, most right. unlucky picture in baseball. Everywhere yeah. you look on Twitter. Like I was at the Nats game. Thank goodness they re reverted that to one and run because I watched that whole thing blow up, which was not great. But this has been a trend for Cobb. It's been bloops, infield hits, and then the booms. And he cannot avoid it right now. But he's striking everybody out. So what are our thoughts on Alex Cobb? Uh, you watched that game against the Mets, right? Yeah. yeah. That inning was the funniest thing. I, did a, I, I put up a video on it on YouTube. I wasn't planning on doing like a pitcher breakdown that day. 
uh, check them out on YouTube, plugging. Um, but I, I did it on Alex Cobb just for Twitch. And it, I hadn't seen the inning yet. And I think the the foul ball that D- Darren Ruff didn't catch was the funniest thing to me. And I not for him falling into the netting. By all means, I feel bad for Darren Ruff. More of just how was that? How did that land fair? Yeah. <laughs> and how is that? And then that, so what happened? You got to understand is he had two infield singles, two like infield singles yep. did not even get onto the dirt of the infield in both cases. And then you had the double, and then you had a three run blast from Pete Alonso. And the the blast from Pete Alonso is so ridiculous because you have a second and third. What do you do if you're Alex Cobb? Well, in you general, when you have a Pete big Alonso. bat, well, <laughs> yeah, pitch around him, pitch around him. The, the rule of thumb when you have a man in scoring position and a big bat up, I would say 75% of the time they're serving them a breaking ball. They're not serving them a fastball because the big bat is like, I want to get them in. There's more pressure on the hitter to knock them in. So pitchers will lean into that and not give him a heat right away. They'll give him a, a, a breaking ball for a strike. Alex Cobb, the book, we know this. It's written for years. Throws first pitch curveballs like, whoa, right in the zone. And P. Alonso knew that, did his homework, and he got a pretty juicy one that was yeah. more inside than you want. If it was farther away, maybe that isn't crushed. But that wasn't a good one from Alex Cobb. And that was demolished to left center field in the first pitch. And I just remember I was cackling away. Uh, and it's just one of those innings. It's just like, yep, you, uh, it stinks. I mean, obviously, sign in for Galax Cup. He gets the, the Reds next. You're going to start him there. He's going to do great. And we're going to forget about this. I mean, the fact that we're freaking out about 700 runs inside of cores at that, all. Like, that, was, that was fluky, too, because he was. It's, it's also cores, you know? Yeah, it was he a was careful like, Icarus, right? You put him in yeah. too long. And uh, it's just, well, you guys, come on. Look, as of right now, you already dealt with the fluky stuff. It's gone. It doesn't affect anything moving forward. Just start the guy. Would you trade Pablo Lopez for Alex Cobb? Come on. What is that? Just throwing things out there for you. Just throwing it at the wall. See if it sticks. Oh, God. Throw it in the trash instead. Okay. There we go. See, that answers that question. <laughs> Uh, Nestor, Cortez. Nestor, Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez for Alex Cobb. Far. No. Okay, I'm just throwing him out there. What Alex Cobb to me is at like 55. You're giving me guys. Pablo is at like 17. What about and... Tarek Skubal? No. Yeah. Those are like de facto fantastic SP3, SP4 guys right now. So Alex Cobb's an SP4, SP5. No, he's like a five-six. Okay, there we go. So that well, like you should have him on your on your fantasy roster, you know. Okay. And like you, you hope this is. I'm not going to say like 100. He's now a stud forever. Obviously not. Okay, but you should have him on your fantasy teams. <laughs> Good. Glad we cleared that up. Uh, <laughs> we'll stick with an Alex in the Bay Area. Alex Wood, and it's not been pretty. It has not been pretty with Alex mm. Wood. Like I had some optimism for him coming into the season. Not feeling as great anymore, Nick. Uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong on that one. So, uh, honestly, I mean, he started off pretty well. Uh, he went against the Padres, uh, Guardians, and Nationals was fine. The Nationals got to him uh, the second time. And then he went against the Dodgers. Not fun. Did well against Rocky Road. Didn't do well against Coors. Excuse me. And then the Padres, who are good at lefties. At least they're better now than they were on April 11th. I think Alex Wood is still fine. He throws 92. Uh, Slider hasn't been as good as last year. He gets the Reds next. It's another case like Alex Cobb. Just put him on your team. Start him against the Reds. Take it from there. I think he's fine. All right. All right. He is fine for now. 
Yes. Let's go to Tampa, Tampa Bay. Drew Rasmussen has been pretty darn awesome. I've mm. always been concerned about the longevity of Drew Rasmussen. That's mm. going about five innings or so. Strikeouts are there. Nick sounds uh, not so happy and pleased with him. So what's your thoughts? Well, I don't know. I you sound first of all, he sounds like a pharaoh to me. True. Um, and then and like he has like wrap soto. Yes. Uh for to mummify him. They use the wrap soda. Okay. You. Thanks. Appreciate you. Um he's only had one start of six innings this year because it's the Rays. And only two starts above five strikes. Actually, I should say three above four. Um and the two of those starts was the most recent one against the Tigers and one against the Mariners. Uh, where his slider and cutter were well commanded down away consistently to right handers, and they each, you know, they combined for at least 17 whiffs, right? That is the magic of Drew Rasmussen. Thing is, in between, he didn't do that. And he has this ridiculous Babbitt on his four seamer. Uh, actually, it's only 290. I don't know what how he's doing this. It's overall 234. I guess on the slider and the cutter is, is super low. Oh my God, the cutter is 147. Okay. Um, that's a really low, a BABIP on a 30% thrown pitch. Anyway, Drew Rasmussen is a guy that is going five, a steady five. The Rays, I feel are a team. They're saying once you get to about 75, 80 pitches, we're looking to pull you because we think that your pitch, um, your pitch quality goes down at that point. However, if Rasmussen is feeling this of the slider and curve and cutter, getting those whiffs with consistency, then things might change and open up. So this is the second time we've seen it. We didn't see him continue it last time. I hope he does now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious. Like, uh, he's been awesome. I didn't buy in as fast as everybody else did that was able to pick him up off the waiver wires because it's the little Tampa Bay thing. Like you said, I'm worried about the innings and getting to go. Like, if he has a couple walks early, he might not make it through four. And it's just one of the the, the yeah. setups with, with uh, Tampa Bay. And that was my concerns with McClanahan last year. And obviously this year's different, and he's been awesome. So um, I think it's like next year Rasmussen could be a, a stud for us once they let him kind of you go. Know, but we'll the, see. the other guy that I think uh, – I know it wasn't on your list, but I feel we got to talk Many more, him. maybe? Part of the many more? Yeah, I, 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 thought that was, I thought that was Matt Moore's cousin, but now I realize that that was just you saying additional stuff. Um, I was like, man, I thought I knew everyone. <laughs> uh, everyone how, – how do you feel about Jeffrey Springs right now? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Casey Bubba. This is great. This is back to back. Mason asked me the same thing on Monday because last week uh, on the Bubba and the Bat Flip, Toby was one of his most added players. And I literally stopped him mid thing and said, I did the same thing you just did. Tell me why you added Jeffrey Springs everywhere. Yeah. And he said, you know, coming from the left side, the changeup usage, you can strike guys out. He had good matchups that week. I'm still not sold on it because I'm worried he's not going to go deep into games Mm -hmm. and how consistent it can be from him. So I'm not in as much as everybody else is. Um, I could be wrong, though. Okay, cool. I don't know how the Rays are going to use them because last two starts have been 76 and 80 pitches, which yeah. is better. I The changeup is really good. Yep, it's a, really it's, good. oh, watch this thing. So much drop on it. Uh, he gets 21st. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's 33rd in uh, vertical movement on it, but I think it's even improved through the year. Uh, so I don't know if I trust my own data on that one. Um, but a 26% swing strike rate thus far for Jeffrey Springs' changeup is filthy. Yeah. I, I've i compared him to two different pitchers. Um, one is Jordan Montgomery because I question like how good the fastball is. And that's going to, you know, the fastball. Then there's also the breaker of the slider that we saw in some starts. 
So comparing, you know, those two are good, but then the fastball isn't kind of like Jordan Montgomery. But in actuality, I think it's closer to the Irish Panda of Patrick Sandoval, Sandoval. Yeah. right? Because he's a guy with an amazing changer from the left side. Crazy Fastball good. that is, I think, susceptible. Uh, and a slider that he's trying to get for strikes. Now, it's a four-seamer instead of a sinker for Jeffrey Springer, Springs. Huh. And then uh, he does elevate with it. There may be something to that uh, that is you know, better for him than it is with Patrick Sandoval, for example. Um, 11% swing strike rate so far. Okay. All right. Maybe at 91, 92. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of it yet. And he gets the Yankees next. And that's really how I think about a lot of this stuff is there are a lot of pitchers that are interesting to me that, oh, this could work out or not. But it's not at the point of saying, oh, just because I think there's a probability of this actually being good, that I'm going to ignore the opponent moving forward. I'm going to think of myself as a fantasy manager. I don't want to start Jeffrey Springs against the Yankees. You can make a case that if you want to get in on Jeffrey Springs, and if he does well against the Yankees, then it's going to be really hard to get him after that. Fine. If you have an open roster spot before it, just pick him up, bench him for it, and then make the decision. But I generally like to look at my entire week, figure out who I'm streaming that week. Hopefully I can get a guy that is exciting and has that good matchup. Uh, and then I can roll with that. Like John Gray against the athletics. He is sub 20% rostered right now. Okay, perfect. Get John Gray. Start him for that. Feel good after, right? Uh, Jeffrey Springs is not quite in that situation because it's the Yankees. So I hope he can continue and soar, but we might see 72 pitches and all of a sudden any sort of massive stretch out could be limited. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about because he's been a very hot topic. Very hot topic. And like you said, the changeup is ridiculous. I guess I'm just always the, – the Rays just keep me hesitant, period. They just really do because wins are already so hard to come by, and now they're going to start you know messing with potentially even qualifying for a win situation. Maybe I overthink it in that regard. But um, I'm curious because maybe they turn Springs into like the Yarborough where he – an opener and then Springs goes for like three or four innings and picks up some wins. Like there's there's ways to utilize it in Tampa Bay. I just don't yeah. know how they're going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll you, you, real quick, you mentioned Jordan Montgomery, who I'm a big fan of right now. And um, my you? question is, why? He's do you a fan of you, you actually. Well, I, I, I texted him the other day, and he said, "Oh man, I just love Casey Bubba." If he ever wants to come on the show, he's always welcome. But um, you, you, you mentioned him, and I want to know your thoughts. Why are they kind of? I don't know. Babying is the right word, but they've been pulling him pretty early so far this year. He, he is a laborious pitcher. <laughs> uh he's someone that isn't efficient i uh, i mean he when he does well it's when you see sinkers above a 35 percent csw which essentially means they just gain called strikes on it a lot he did last night had a good start against the orioles but he's, he's someone that is not going to go there one two three kc by you know i uh, the first pitch is a k the last second one is a c c and the last one's a buy i know it sounds weird should be reversed it's not so I uh, so Jordan Montgomery curveball and changeup are not as high strike getting pitches as you'd think. He'll throw like you know it's a one one count and he'll bounce a curveball, but then the next one's good, right? That's that's kind of Jordan Montgomery's thing. It's also so slow. Uh, there's certain guys I watch. Man, I watch Sandy Alcantara and I can just do it all day. And it's just like, <laughs> put it on. I fall asleep and it's just there playing again, right? And Jordan Montgomery, I can fall asleep to it because I don't want to watch it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just so slow. So, I mean, that's how I feel about Jordan Montgomery. I think he's ultimately a Toby that has some strikeout upside sometimes. But you don't really, you're not going to see like a 10 strikeout game from him. You're going to see like six. And that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, 
it's dependent on that sinker. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Walker Bueller, we've had velocity issues. Thoughts don't come back. We've seen this and that. He's not looking like the ace people were hoping for, though. Strikeouts have not been there. He's like, he's surviving. He's pitching, is what I should say. Right. He's not dominating. So, yeah. where are we at on Walker Bueller right now? Do you know my nickname for Walker Bueller? No. What is it? I call him the ace of very good. And fair, if you. And if you initialize him, what does that spell? Ace. ace. Oh, it, without the O. Without the O. Average. Yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, really good now. That's really, really good. Makes it even better. So, uh, so Walker Bueller, uh, I was actually excited for his most recent start because he finally got a good amount of whiffs on his four seamers, like six over 22. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. That's what we want to see. We want to see that 10% plus swing strike rate on his four-seamer because he has a bevy of good secondaries. The cutter is good. The slider is good. The changeup is good. Curveball is the major one. But then all of a sudden, he went zero for 27 on his fastball with whiffs. I'm like, oh, man. All right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be lowering him this week. I probably should have lowered him before, but I, I always... I don't know. I'm always slow in the beginning of the year to just all of a sudden say, all right, well, now they're completely changed. I feel like now is enough of a time to say like, okay, I'm going to lower my expectations of Walker Buehler's four-seamer returning. So he'll probably be around 15, something like that for me, but that's still really good. You know, it's again, Ace is very good where Bueller is going to have an ERA around three. He's going to have a whip, probably not 125. Honestly, I think that's going to get better. So he'll probably be around a 115, 110 to 115 through the year. Is he going to have a 27% K rate? No, probably going to settle around 22% or so. And he's going to get you a lot of wins. Um, so think of it kind of like a Max Freed. Think of it like a better version of Logan Webb. You know, that's that's, uh, that's fine with me. No, it definitely works. That's that's the biggest thing is lower your expectations, but still be very good. So yeah, I, I like the, the average. That's very good. That's very, very good. <laughs> um, Bruce Zimmerman. We were all aboard the Bruce Zimmerman train, and then he fell yeah. into the Yankees twice. And are we just going to say it's because it's the Yankees or – we know there yeah. was a lot of pitch to contact too from Zimmerman from time to time. How are we? How are we approaching Bruce going forward? The fact that you're even talking about Bruce Zimmerman, I think, says a lot, right? Yep. Um, Bruce Zimmerman, I think there's uh, a Alex lot Trash of paid me to bring an Oriole up. By the way, I knew it. You know, uh, that guy's got that smile, and you just you can't say no. I uh, but but Zimmerman, he um he has a changeup and a slider that are both very very interesting. Uh, his changeup is doing wonderful things this year, 70% strike rate, while the the slider has a 20% swing strike rate. And I think we also see a lot more whiffs in the future from that changeup, too. I mean, he's had some excellent games with it. Uh, nine, for example, against the Yankees, nine whiffs on that changeup, 31 thrown on uh, April 17th. So over time, I think there is something that can blossom here with Zimmerman kind of being like an old Guardians pitcher of changeup slider focus and two really good secondaries soaring. But the fastball is not great. Uh, 42% hard contact allowed this year is an atrocity. If you're wondering what the league average is, it's 31%. So don't do that. You know, that's that's that's, that's pretty bad. And I, I hope that he can be better than this. Right now, I'm treating him on just a matchup basis. Like, is it a good matchup for a lefty like Zimmerman? Fine. Okay. But I'm not going to seek out starts from Bruce Zimmerman. Yeah, I think it's fair. I'm just... So that means don't cut him. That's what I was my biggest wonder with him because it depends on have... who he's facing. And it's yeah, well, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with cutting Bruce Zimmerman. If I'm getting, I don't know, like a JT Brubaker against Rocky road, like it was the other day. Like I would have rather well, have done that. Let's let's skip the, we'll go back to the, the next guy in a second, but you mentioned JT Brubaker and this is a guy that 
he's been a hot topic on the, the Twitterverse. Hot of, topic, of, coffee of cakes. Get your coffee cakes. I love coffee cake. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, they, uh, you know, the season started out not great, but he's really started to get it going. The strikeouts have been there. Um, you look at the uh, the underlying stats; they look pretty pretty good for JT Brubaker. So, how are we feeling with him going forward? Because there's some pretty smart people that are on board here. You know, what's really funny about JT Brubaker to me is what would you say his best pitch is, right? It's a slider. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it had four whiffs on 27th thrown. I, I think actually Savant initially had this as as even settled in on like one whiff yesterday on that slider against the Rocky Road, which is what? That's insane. I uh, that's just not that's just not it. <laughs> not gonna cut it. Yeah, but it worked in this one for whatever reason. The fastball did it, uh, and okay, fine. I I just think he's just matchup dependent completely. I I don't. I'm not against those and say 15 teamers in your TGFBI or your NFBC leagues of saying, oh, he has two starts against whatever opponents. I'll let it ride. Sure. I mean, he can go nine plus strikeouts in a given day if that slider is amazing. Um, it just isn't always going to be that way. And that's very, very frustrating. I will say one thing that I'm very impressed by, um, I thought I was, and I realized that I'm thinking about the wrong guy. So I'm not impressed by his sinker O swing. It's just 27%. Get that, get those numbers up. There's some times that it is really good when he does jam righties with it. But if it's not doing that, then it does have a tendency to get hard, hit hard. I was about to say, there, there's, there's certain games where you watch Brubaker and he's not locating pitches and he just gets destroyed. Like he's yeah. not fooling anybody. So, right. It's, uh, I mean, with that sinker, for example, yeah. 19.5% hard contact allowed is excellent. Like seriously excellent. But then the curveball gets lifted a good amount. Then all of a sudden he's not getting enough strikes with it. Like it's 64% as opposed to 70%. And then the four seamer has a sub 50% strike rate, which is an atrocity. He's trying to elevate a ton with it. So he's pretty much saving that uh, as much as he can to just kind of steal a high strike. But like he's not even using that as a two strike pitch. It's only a 14% usage of it. So what are you doing with that four seamer? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, Burt Baker. It's it's weird. And if you want to take a chance on someone on a given day because of the matchup, sure, go with coffee cakes. I'll go with coffee cakes. I love it. Let's go uh, Aaron Nola here. This is a yearly tradition, Nick, where it's like, okay, well, what are we doing here? Okay. Strikeouts are there. I, I saw some tweet, though. The third time through the order has been gruesome. That was fast, I believe. Yeah, okay. Um, so what, what are we doing? With Nola? Like, You're not getting rid of Nola, obviously, but like, what's going on here? I, I've already... I've already... I uh, ripped on fast publicly, so I don't care. I, I don't, I don't love third time through the order stats a lot, um, because it's often a very small sample size, and I think it can be pulled one way or another, um, pretty quickly. So, eh, I, I'm not, I'm not buying necessarily that as much that they need to stop throwing him as late as they do. I think Aaron Ola is great, and I think he's gotten some bad luck. I think there's no one as cursed as Aaron Ola for to allow seven runs by the Mets in the ninth to make sure he doesn't get a win. Seriously, was it was, that was it was what, though. seven to one? And he lost that game? Yeah, that, <laughs> sorry, that was he, didn't, he got a no decision, I should yeah. say. But, I mean, that's the world of Aaron Nola, you know? True. He's good. Just start him. Just just, just start him. Don't, don't think twice. Would you trade Aaron Nola for Walker Buehler? No. no. <sighs> a lot better than the last offer I gave you, wasn't it? Now it's actually like an offer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. If you are in a league and you recognize I can sacrifice some ratios for strikeouts, I need more strikeouts that I can depend on start to start. Yes. But Good. like, I would rather have Nola in that case. I think overall, if we want to, I mean, there's so many ways to judge a player, 
I, I'm willing to bet the Rasball player Raider is going to like Walker Bueller more than Aaron Nola because Probably. you're going to get more wins. You're going to have better ratios. True. So it's about your needs. True. And my needs are always important. Look at that um, lovely cop-out answer from Nick Pollock. It's a I great appreciate one. It. Thank I you. appreciate it. Always worried about our needs. Uh, <laughs> Dane, Dane Dunning has been a, a breath of fresh air before his last start against the Angels, but he still had a lot of strikeouts in that game, which was promising to see. Uh, last year, the Rangers kind of babied him, and they let him go this year, and he's, he's, he's showing good signs here. Are we buying in on Dane Dunning going forward? You know, some people are drunk on on Dane Dunning. Instead, they should be the DD, all right? And <laughs> I he's a command-focused guy. It's really it was a Vargas rule for me. Yes, the slider did show up a bit to get those uh, to get those eight strikeouts, fifty two percent CSW yesterday. But it was against the Angels, and the Angels are really good. And the bad pitches he threw, they crushed. You want to look at the 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 amazing start against Atlanta. His sliders were so perfectly down, and so were the changeups and the sinkers went in arm side as they should. But then the other starts, it just it's chaos inside the zone and. I don't really buy that Dane Dunning is going to be a consistently amazing command guy. So I'm, I'm avoiding, say, for the juicy matchups. All righty. All righty. A couple more here. You mentioned Ranger Suarez earlier. Last year, we enjoyed, the summer. We, we enjoyed the summer of Ranger Suarez last year. This year, if you really dig in, it hasn't been as bad as it, it would appear, but it hasn't been great by any means, Nick. So what are we doing with Ranger Suarez? Because he feels like last year was just lock and load. Now it's like he might be droppable in certain formats. I can't believe what I'm saying here. I uh, you know what's, what's really funny is uh, I haven't checked on this the first time I'm looking at this. Last year, I believe it was 1,100 or maybe even 1,300 fastballs thrown. And he allowed one home run on them. Uh, I'm doing quick math here, but about 500 thrown, he's already allowed two. There it is. We're done. It's over. No. Um, yeah. No, the changeup isn't nearly as good as it was last year. Um, just a 17% swing striker as opposed to 20.5 um, that it was last season. And I, I look, he's a guy that did a really good job last year avoiding the center of the plate, hasn't really gotten into rhythm. And once he has that changeup and is able to steal strikes with his slider again, he had a 32% CSW with it last year. Now it's just 19%, um, which is a big drop off as well. I'm not going to trust him. I mean, you can you can treat him like a Toby against uh, bad teams. That's fine. But I don't I mean, he's went against the Dodgers twice and like. Yeah, I didn't want to start him for that. I didn't want to start him against the, the Mariners, even though he did well in that one start. Like, yeah. I didn't want to do that. So just the matchup focus. That's it. Don't yeah, think it's, more. It, it's a tough one. Like, last year was easy with him. Now it's much, much more complicated. Another one that's getting a little more complicated is Marcus Stroman, who was is outstanding. I guess if you dig in, it's not as bad, but it doesn't feel like as dominant as he was last year. Like Last year, he was just kind of cruising, doing his thing. I guess it's been better than I would have. Look, he had he had two bad starts in the beginning against Coors and the Rays. Since then, it's been four starts of allowing a combined six earned runs. That's not bad. This is Marcus Stroman. Hi, what's up, Marcus? You're pretty cool, and you're gonna do it. Yeah, me too. And you know, I mean, he's gotten easier matchups, but it's fine. You just you're just gonna start him the entire year. He's not gonna have a 24 percent strike every win all of a sudden. Done. True. True. You know, he got a lot of whiffs on a slider and cutter yesterday, and that's about it. <laughs> I and that's like why he had eight strikeouts, but it's not going to be that's going to be like five strikeouts a game, and you're going to be fine with that. Like, thank you so much, Stroman. You've helped me out. Stroman or Mikolas? Stroman. Okay, want to check. Done it for longer. Yeah, that's true. Very true. A lot of a lot of similarities the way they're going this year, though. Yeah, the defense true. is better for Mikolas. Yeah, I. But uh, no, but the Stroman is more dependable with it. It can go south quickly for Mikolas. Okay. 
Jose Barrios, this is one of those frustrating ones because you know he's an innings eater. He's an accumulator. This is not frustrating. Um, this is not frustrating. Okay, then what, what is it? What is it? No, no, no. Do you know my nickname, nickname for Jose Barrios? I hope you do. It I created one of, the, one of the most ridiculous uh, SP Roundup graphics that Justin has made of like a contorted man. He, he is the great undulator. And the reason for that is, if you don't know the word undulate, I just remember it for some reason. It's like a flag in the wind that goes back and forth, back and forth, like a sine wave, right? And Jose Barrios has done this for his entire career. I have, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people over the past five years about how Jose Barrios is going to be an ace. And I just say, no, he's not going to be bad either. He's going to settle at like a three six or three seven ERA at the end of the year, like somewhere between three five and three nine. That's just what he does every single year. He's going to have those stretches of excellence and then fall down and then come back up. And what do you know? There's your sine wave. So he is the great undulator, and he began the season, you know, down. Right? He had the the six and the five earned run games. Everyone's like, oh no. I mean, really? This you can even see this four runs, three and runs, then one, then two, then one, then six and five, and then zero. And it's like, oh, right. You're the great undulator. This is who you are. Just start Jose Barrios. Don't, don't sit here and look at the 475 E Ray and the 144. What they're going to come down. Striker rate's going to go up from 17%. He always finds a way to do this and nothing has changed. The great Nick Pollock has spoken, everybody. The, no, 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 never say that again. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it though, because like I was I was big on him this year thinking, okay, give me a guy that I can, you know, just plug in there, get the innings, ratios will be okay in the end. And it's been a rough, rough go early on. But that's a roto league, right? Yeah. So you just let ah, it go. The whole whatever. You just yeah. let, you log it in, maybe you're fine. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Last one here. Yeah. Teammate of Barrios. You mm. say, I say, we all say Kikuchi. Um, he's been pretty darn good his last four starts because he ditched the cutter and oh, things have looked a lot better so how are we doing here that's what you think so do you do you believe this oh whoa whoa tell me what is wow no, no, do, do, you do you believe do you believe this i thought when i look at savant that's what i see like what 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 do i need to what do i need to believe no 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 no, no. not believe like that the cutter has been ditched he combined the cutter and slider absolutely i think that's cool yeah. but do you believe that like he's now like he's great. also locating his fastball better and um like there's a little bit of Robbie Ray transformation. I'm not saying he's Robbie oh, Ray by no. any means. No, 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 not, but, no, no don't but, do this. But, don't but do this. He's not no. this he's not this good. What location? What location? He's, like he's working, inside the working zone? At, he's working at higher up in the zone. No uh, maybe ish. <laughs> look, look, I, I've I've heard this a lot recently. I've gotten questions about it, like, oh, the Rays fixed Robbie. Sorry, the Rays, the Jays fixed Robbie Ray, and they're doing the same exact application as they did to Yusei Kikuchi. There were two things that fixed Robbie Ray. Okay, two things. Uh, he always had the slider that was elite and kept it at the bottom of the zone. That wasn't a new thing. That was that was what he did. The two things are both applying to the fastball. One, he threw a tick harder last year. That was good. But the major element was that Robbie Ray was this nibbler all around. And you'd see these like a shotgun blast would be four seamers. But they took him and said, no, you're going to just pitch in the upper third of the zone. That's just what you're going to do. And if I look at Kikuchi, it's not what I'm seeing. I, I, I have right in front of me the strike zone plots of the last four games. I mean, even against the Yankees, he was actually like down in middle. 
Uh, you have all over the place, up and down, and just kind of a lot of a shotgun blast. And so I watch these games. I watch like the, the Cincinnati Reds ones. Like, okay, you know what? Let's just kind of sit down and kind of figure this out. I don't believe that Yusei Kikuchi has been fixed. I don't think that he is now all of a sudden this fantastic pitcher. I do like the fact that the slider is now one pitch, but it earned two whiffs over 16 thrown against Cincinnati, right? It's not this magic offering. It's not this overwhelming strike pitch you know, or, or strikeout pitch, right? Like Kikuchi is still like, I can't even tell you when he goes up to pitch, what he's trying to do. I, I I just don't know. Is he actually trying to elevate it and then throw the slider down to the Blake Snell blueprint? I, I don't know. And I don't think he knows as much. So I'm not in on this. I I, I think you can you start him against the Cincinnati Reds because it was the Cincinnati Reds. You know, yeah, I'm glad he got seven strikeouts, but it was 4.1 innings against the Reds. Yeah, that's not you know, good. And you need 86 pitches to do that. I think that should tell you, sure, he allowed two runs in the first inning, fine, and they settled down, but you understand what I'm getting at. This oh, yeah, is not I a do. fixed man. Okay, And I, I think his next start is uh, somewhat of a difficult one. Um, he goes against the Angels. I was thinking the Dodgers, wrong LA. Hmm. Yep. The Angels, I think that that's where this whole conversation is going to stop. Good. I'm looking forward to it because uh, there's been a lot of Kikuchi buzz. A lot of fans are say Kikuchi. And you've actually at least pointed some uh, light in the other direction, I should say, that uh, is obviously valid. So yeah, um, it, it's good to to get both sides of the story there because people are just raving about the changes he's making and this and that. And to me, like his velocity isn't changing enough to make me too excited about things. He's just doing things a little differently. So yeah. So so yeah. as I as I just tried to figure out, oh, man. This is going to be so weird. I I have a brand new nickname for somebody that isn't Yuku Kaguchi, but I was trying to work in the joke for him, and I realized it applies to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Uh, Drew Rasmussen is now in the millennium because you look at him and go, why 2K? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It makes me miss our car rides in uh, Phoenix. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, it doesn't turn oh, off. Oh, uh, it's, beautiful. it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> great mind at work, folks. Live on the air. Watch out. Well, I feel like Y and K. Like, how can I put a bit of two in between here? And there you go. Like That's it. what I got. Because like he's, he's doing more than two strikeouts. I can't call him that. Yeah, he has. He's done a little more than two. Like, yeah. If you want to talk about, you know, maybe... You know, Mikolas or Merrill Kelly, you can probably go there. But who uh, is uh, Bubba? Who is the pitcher on your team that's frustrating you the most? On the Giants or my fantasy team? Fantasy team. Okay. Um, Ranger Suarez was one of them for sure, but I guess for me it's Jordan Montgomery just because he's not. I don't know. I I guess I had higher. Want too much out of him? Yeah. Yeah, I had higher expectations for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, if you want the real answer. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Uh, he has a 330 ERA yeah. and a 106 okay. whip. Oh, the real, man. The, the real oh. answer. The real answer. And it's because uh, you warned me. And in reality, his ratios were pretty solid, but it's been a, a rocky go. And now he's on the IL as Eduardo Rodriguez. And you oh, warned me about Eron. I did. Yeah. But well, I mean, I feel, so fine. I feel bad for him, though. Yeah. Like, he had the worst schedule. Yes. Yeah, so I'm still optimistic, but now the IL stint wants to see how that plays out. That's wow, I'm, I'm so happy you give me credit 
for that. You warned me every time you come in the chat when I be talking about him. You're like, no, he's only got one or two pit two pitches. He's not. He's got a four seamer. The changeup hasn't showed up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I'm like, I, I, I'm up late because I'm doing the SP roundup. I'm always looking to like procrastinate, and then all of a sudden I see that you're live on YouTube at like 11 p.m. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here to help the East Coast people. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Appreciate but, it. Uh, I get it. But uh, we'll wrap it up there, my friend. So before we uh, head on out, once again, plug pitcherlist.com for everybody out there. Yeah. So you, what you guys should do is you go to Bench with Bubba on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you leave a rating and review. Uh, and you know, you know, give this guy some love. He's put in so much work with it. I mean, 475 episodes of this podcast is no small feat. Um, make sure he does something truly special for 500. I'm sure everybody you've ever had on this show would love to be there for it. So make sure you promote it. Make sure you do that. Uh, and uh, you know, give some love to Casey Bubby. He's wonderful. And there's why Nick Pollock is one of the best in the business, folks. Like, uh, just just doing his thing. And it's not an act. Because, like, like I said, I got to spend a lot of time with him in Arizona for, for FPAS. We Dairy Queened it up. Yeah, we did. Ball. We had a... Uh, he. so he, good. He took me to um, Cracker Barrel for the first time. I, and it's amazing. Yes. It's so, like, And there are a lot of people I know that like, oh, Cracker Barrel, whatever. I'm like, you don't understand. We're, we were not exposed to Cracker Barrel. No. I'm used to just being bad. And like, yeah. this, is, this is great. It was different. It was so different. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this fall. Do this yes. all over again with you. It'll Absolutely. be a blast. Absolute blast. But everybody, make sure you check out Nick on the Twitter. If you aren't already, I don't know why, but on Twitter at PitcherList uh, and then at PitcherList.com. Nick, thanks for joining me, my friend. I really appreciate it. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Bubba. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 475. Catch you guys next time.